Voice of Fintech. Welcome to Voice of Fintech, a podcast mapping out the Swiss and global fintech scene, connecting fintech enthusiasts with startups, incubators, accelerators, business angels and VCs, and incumbents interested in partnerships. Voice of Fintech will help you navigate the fintech ecosystem. Here you can listen to the startup founder stories, what investors and incumbents are looking for when dealing with startups, and find out more about resources provided by incubators and accelerators. My name is Rudy Fallad and I'll be hosting this podcast. Hello and welcome to Voice of Fintech. Today we're talking to Penny, is a CEO and a co-founder of Race.ai, and that's a startup that is reinventing the sourcing of the deals for VC and other things, shaking up the VC world or investors world in general, also from business angels perspective. And she's a well-known persona on the Swiss startup scene and investor scene. So I'm very curious to find out what's new with Race.ai. So welcome, Penny. How are you today? Hello. Hi, Rudy. I'm very, very good. So things are really moving nicely. So I'm happy that we are progressing on customer side and engineering. And yeah, it's a good day today. All right. Brilliant. That's great to hear. So tell us a bit about yourself, about your journey from Accenture and Swisscom to the startup world first. Sure. For almost a decade, I've been with a a big corporate, so Swisscom, and I was uh, doing a lot of things in innovation. I was uh, with Swisscom Ventures, building the Pirates Hub and innovation space, and I was also on the M&A side. Towards the end of my time at Swisscom, I was on a flight to San Francisco, sitting next to a guy who was doing his fintech startup using AI. And on that flight, it really struck me that we as venture capital investors are really not leveraging data in the way we could. So it it really struck me that I want to build a solution and I want to transform this industry with data, with uh, new sourcing methods and with machine learning to identify the best deal. And while I was there, I used the time outside of the speech I was giving in Stanford, I used the time also to go and talk to investors as customers, do a customer discovery, and really make a plan on how I could make this. I was by myself. I didn't have co-founders. I didn't have a team and all of that. But this is really how I, it felt natural to move to the other side of the table from being an investor to being an entrepreneur making software for investors. What? Pain points do you see in VC investing? You hinting at the, hinted at it a little bit. So what are the pain points uh, specifically? Sure. When you look at the uh, venture capital industry, and it's not only here, but as one piece of the investment industry, there is so much more money in the market now than 10 years ago. So capital has increased about three to 400%. But the number of deals has not really increased that much. So for venture capital investors, it becomes more and more uh, crucial and uh, success factor to have access to deals very early on. Because if you don't invest early on, normally you don't get access to an amazing company later on. And here we can see that investors are now looking to invest in earlier stages and they are also looking to screen and see all the deals uh, in their geography or in their focus. And this is very time-consuming. If you want to see all deals, you have to go to hundreds of conferences and do a lot of web research and stuff. And we automate this and have found a way to make you discover deals 
much earlier than you would traditionally do. And we help you to identify when is the good point in time to reach out to a company because they are ready to talk to you for an investment. Every VC firm would like to find the best startups earlier, but also many of them, especially in Europe, I think they rely on their network and inbound ideas. So you talked about the speed and you need to reach the founders uh, earlier in the life cycle. So why is it not enough? It's, it's not only about the speed, isn't it? So it's really both. So it's also about finding the relevant startups and finding the best ones. And we can see that, of course, investors, they rely on their inbound deal flow. So that has been a main source and they are different from the network. But a lot of investors now feel that this is not enough. They have to increase the coverage. So they want to see, for example, all deals in Germany and not just the 80% that they can source via their traditional network. So it's really about having a full coverage and reducing the blind spots. And that leads to a very favorite world these days, uh, diversity, right? Because you want to find the best ideas out there. And maybe somebody, some founder is not in the network, as, as some people say it. So <laughs> why they shouldn't be funded, correct? Platforms are all ways how you can reach out to companies and do active sourcing they reduce the bias that comes out of the network uh, effect. So when you have, for example, founders that are not connected to VCs directly, it, they sometimes have a hard time to get the attention from the venture capital scene. And if those VCs are looking to look at all of the deals, no matter if they found a warm introduction or don't have an introduction, this reduces definitely the, the bias of some people having access and some people not having access. And we can also see from the investor side that it's really a demand and that it's more and more a requirement to not only rely on this biased deal flow that comes in through your network. Sometimes even this deal flow can be more expensive also. So the hype companies are, are the ones that everybody wants to invest in and the prices go up. So it can make sense for an investor to also go after investment opportunities that are less, let's say, hyped or arrogant when it comes to valuation and deal terms. And also, startups love to work with efficient partners, right? So if you even sort out the sourcing, some of the VCs, they work in a traditional way, right? Some are streamlining their review process, so mm -hmm. upload the deck here. Don't email it to me, this and that. You say on your website that you're increasing the deal flow efficiency. I don't know whether the platform also supports some sort of club deals, sharing, things like this, so people don't send just emails back and forth with the decks. So right now, we are not supporting the founders that are fundraising. So we are not making a platform that makes it easier for founders to address directly a number of VCs. However, we do help VCs to reach out and share deals with other VCs. For example, when they receive the latest uh, tailored deal flow into their inbox, they can press a button and share some of those companies with colleagues or even with investors outside of the network. So we make it easy to share such information. But right now, we are not providing uh, syndicate deals or any other uh, format that would help to come to a consortium. I see. Okay, understood. And obviously, many investors also say that early stage investing is about backing a team rather than idea. What do you think about that? And in that, if you were to agree, how does an AI solution can help assess the team? That's the argument to for investors say, we need to meet the, the founders, we need to hang out with them, 
We need to get a reference from other people about them. And then the, the idea is secondary. If they've done it before, if they, then we think that they can sort out any sort of problem on the way. So we back them. How do you see it? So definitely the team is a very important data point when uh, looking at an investment opportunity. And there are various ways how you can look at the team and there is also various levels of screening. So as a first check, investors would look if a team is actually fully committed to the company or if they are doing this as a side gig or if this is not their main activity. This sounds obvious, but still investors receive a lot of pitch decks that are from founders that are not invested or fully committed yet. On the next level, you can also look at uh, the founders. So do they have relevant experience? Do they have sometimes big names on their CV? Have they gone through a relevant education? For example, do they have tech engineering uh, degrees? So this is something that investors look at when they do their human, when they look at it as humans. And this is also something that we can put into a rule and that we can analyze with machine learning. We also look at things that are not that obvious, but that help to also find good teams, such as have the founders worked together in the past. So if you can see that they have spent mm -hmm. and worked on another team together, this is definitely a big plus. We also look at the team composition. Does it look like it's a complete team with some, let's say, business experience and some technical experience, or is it a team that is a little one-sided, for example, five engineers, but no business people? So we also look at the team composition. And basically what we do is we put these rules that investors have for screening, we put them into a way that it can be analyzed at scale with the data that we have. So we make your analysis faster by applying it not to tens of cases, but to thousands of cases. And that's what I, that's my, you know, pet question or pet project, because I ask a lot of people about their co-founders. And the reason is that I'd like to see that it's a complete team. Mm -hmm. For me, it is a diverse team in terms of skills or experience or outlook of the world. So exactly as you mentioned, if you have three co-founders who are, are engineers, their classmates, they're a copy of one another, what is the point? You mm -hmm. need somebody with a business background. And if you are from a German-speaking part, maybe it's good to have a French speaker there, those sort of things. So great to hear that this is part of your solution. Now, would you have any sort of advice for startups approaching VCs now that you've seen how this works in a traditional way, but also now that you're trying to make it more efficient and automated, etc.? How can they improve their chances of raising funds? Of course, first of all, you have to give proof or you have to show traction or whatever is necessary for the investment phase that you are in. For example, think of a SaaS company. So when you do a SaaS company, there is two thresholds that are very important for investors and that everybody cares about. So one is when you can make it from first revenues to 10,000 monthly recurring revenues, this is when you can get first attention with investors to invest into a seed round. The second threshold is the 1 million per year recurring revenue. So when you can hit this, you can generate attention with a Series A investors and you will get their, they, they would want to look at you. I'm not saying that this is, that it's impossible if you don't meet this, these thresholds, but it's definitely something that you should care about because investors have a schema that they use to analyze your business to be fast in the screening. Secondly, it's important to understand that investors 
oftentimes have a thesis or do not see all deals eligible to be invested in for this particular fund. So typically, investors have a focus on geography, on the stage of the company and the investment and on the topics. And if you want to increase your chances of meeting investors, it's important that you only approach those investors that can, by definition, invest in you because you meet their thesis, uh, you sit in the geography they are comfortable to invest in, and you, the stage is right. And you should make it easy for investors to understand this. So don't send a pitch deck that covers your topic or your what you are looking for on the 20th page, and they have to uh, read through all of this to understand if you are eligible or fit in their thesis or not, but just make it easy. Put it in the title of the email so that the investors can put you in a box and then look deeper, but they have to have something. So don't tell them your, your journey of hard work, but tell them what they need to know to make a decision. And also every fund is, design, is designed in a certain way mm -hmm. uh, in terms of uh, stage and uh, technology, industry and geography. Uh, That's obviously, hopefully, well known, but uh, people forget it uh, sometimes. So if you don't fit that fund prospectus or the deal deal focus that they have, they're just not the right fit. It doesn't make sense to, to reach out to them, really. I know it's hard sometimes to understand the fit, and it's a lot of homework, but it does increase the chances to be successful. All right. You are also currently fundraising, and you're going to San Francisco this month, and working with uh, Swiss Next and InnoSwiss program. So can you tell us a little bit about how this works? Yes, sure. With Swiss Next and InnoSwiss, it's really interesting to say that they have a program for Swiss founders to go and to capture markets outside of Switzerland, and they help with market introduction camps. So you can apply and be uh, supported or selected into their camps. And what they do is they offer you the space and the knowledge to understand A, if a particular market is for you and if your product is ready into this market, but B, they also help you once you came to that conclusion and if you have evaluated the market positively, they help you with a program that actually involves a physical stay and visit to this place. And I have applied here to the San Francisco program because in my industry, the venture capital world is really concentrated in and south of San Francisco. So it makes a lot of sense to go there and look for an anchor customer or more than one. But also we are addressing seed and pre-seed funds for an investment round. We have a dual uh, geography strategy, so to say, when it comes to the investment. We are obviously also talking to our customers in Europe uh, for an investment, but we figure we have to also go all in and uh, go two weeks to the US and set up meetings with investors. Great stuff. Now, we talked a lot about VC investing, but what are the alternatives to VC investing, right, or VC funding? Maybe if you're a startup founder or scale-up founder even, you can get money from other sources or in other ways. So what is your what would be your advice to, mm -hmm. to founders to raise money? So one of the best sources of financing, obviously, is money you can get from your customers. So the more money we can get from our customers as monthly recurring revenues, the better. In many ways, it's better because we have cash, but it's also better that we can show to any investor that we are a growing business. 
However, you have to be careful that it's really this type of revenue that makes sense for you. So if it's a monthly recurring software revenue, that's fine. But if it's more system integration, one-time project revenue, then investors and also yourself will see that this is not necessarily scalable and that this can even distract you from building your solution. As a second option to get funding that is also not venture capital funding, we have seen a lot of revenue-based financing startups coming up. So the idea is that a company that has monthly recurring revenues can get a loan that is reflecting the size of those revenues, and this can help them grow faster and not take the venture capital deal, which also means that they would have to give away equity. So with the revenue-based financing, this is a great option for SaaS entrepreneurs that have early traction, have early revenues to grow faster without having to sell a piece of the company. Because obviously, venture capital is an amazing financing option, but it is an expensive one. And if you can find other ways to scale and grow, this should definitely be explored. And funny, I'm working as an InnoSwiss coach also. So I coach startups and for a lot of them, actually, this is an option that they can uh, go and apply for revenue-based financing. And I encourage them to do so in parallel or in addition to venture capital. So you can get money from the customers. You can get it from the VCs, revenue-based financing. If you're a bit earlier stage, then angels are an option and probably grants as well. Yeah. But yeah, so you're obviously also looking for customers. So I think you would fall into the B2B SaaS category. Perfect. And this is what we write in our emails and our pitch deck so that people can put us in a box easily. Oh, very good tip. So we talked about it a bit, like what are the pain points? What are the ideas, the solutions? But if you recap, what is your product offering? How does the Raised.ai work for your clients? We help our clients, which is uh, venture capital investors, angels, and micro VCs to discover startups very early that are relevant for their investment thesis and help them reach out to them to make uh, better deals. We also help them along the way. We analyze the companies and select the best ones that have traction and that are raising the next round of financing. And we do so using machine learning and a sophisticated natural language processing. Now, where are you on your journey in terms of a product or your ambitions in terms of markets? You said that you, you have a product, right? It's, mm-hmm. You probably can sort out three different pain points. You're looking at Switzerland and other geographies in Europe, but also in, in the US. What else uh, have we missed? Uh, if you were to put you in the box mm-hmm. on the life cycle continuum. So maybe it's interesting to understand how we built the product and how I see the phases. Let's say an alpha phase of the software, which was really an Excel spreadsheet exercise. So we would have different sources, we would put them together and we would discuss it with potential customers and tell them, look, this is how it would look like. This is what we are planning to do. So it was really not a fully fledged software, but an alpha version. It would already add value, so we would discover the startups of Germany and Switzerland, but it is not the same as we had it today. And we started with this a year and a half ago. Then we moved into the private beta stage. So we did two things. We built the pipeline, solidified it further and automated more of the data acquisition. But then also we started building a front end. So not just an Excel spreadsheet, but it would be a front end where you could log in, where you could do your searches and really 
like a database solution, like a platform. And we tested it with about uh, 100 uh, VCs, I would say, and got a lot of feedback. And funny enough, the most revealing or interesting feedback for us was that people don't want such a platform to log into, at least not at this stage, but they would rather prefer to have an email into their inbox showing them their tailored deal flow, or they would like to have a CSV file or another way how to integrate the data into the systems that they are working with day to day. So in the private beta, we then worked more on providing the data in such a way. So giving the data either straight into your email inbox or into another tool. And then over the summer of this year, we moved into finishing the beta program and making the software available to uh, all our potential customers. And this is a bit how we build the company uh, and how I describe it. And I'm actually glad that we did it like this because we were okay to throw away what we had built in the private beta because we knew it was only done so that for the public beta product, we could really incorporate all the feedback and built it in a way that it can scale. But we were faster to do so because we didn't build a, a rocket ship software to begin with, but we built a prototype software that could already deliver the value to the customers. And now as a next step, we will build on this platform. So this is here to, to stay, but then the, it will be much more sophisticated. And for the next modules that we need to build, we have a foundation, but there is a lot more to come. All right. Brilliant. Now, obviously you're fundraising, but also here that you're hiring, right? So who are you looking for? With the funds that we will raise, we want to beef up the engineering team. So we need a, a more senior machine learning slash data scientist, data scientist, but we will also uh, push more in the sales and marketing area. So that's the, the most important areas where we are hiring. And we are actually already quite well with the research piece because we have actually won a grant and are working together with a ZHRV here in Zurich that does the more sophisticated forward-looking model building that we are doing. Actually, here, I think it's more even a collaboration. I'm not hiring for exactly the same profiles, but rather for someone who can help bring the software to the next level, almost like a co-founder or entrepreneurial counterpart. Sounds exciting. Great to hear. So what's the best way to find out about uh, Race Delta AI? What's the best way to reach out? So if you are a, a potential customer or would like to understand our solution better, I think the best way is actually that you go on our website and try it out in our free trial. So you go to race.ai and there you can sign up. You can tell us your preferences in terms of investments you're looking for. And then we will reach out to you and provide you with your weekly deal flow for three weeks so that you can really see for yourself what we can bring you. If you want to reach out uh, regarding the hiring, I think the easiest is that you uh, send a mail to jobs at race.ai. So in a small company, this will, mail will go to me anyway, and I'd be happy to hear, uh, hear about you. And if you're interested in the investment case, Rudy, come on, we should also advertise this here. Again, send me a mail and I'm happy to send you more information, uh, the pitch deck or connect me with two investors in the US. That would be highly appreciated. All right. Wonderful. Thank you so much, Penny. Great to reconnect again and good luck to race.ai. Thank you, Rudy.
Thank you for listening to Voice of Fintech podcast. If you haven't already, check out also voiceoffintech.com where you will find all the episodes and additional resources related to the podcast. You can also subscribe to Voice of Fintech on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, or any other podcast app that you like. If you have any suggestions on the topics or guests or how to make this podcast better for you, please email us at info at Happy to hear from you. Thank you.